Hey everyone, I'm Jess and I'm here with Nyx. Hello. Thanks for joining us on this segment of Based on Facts, where I wanted to share some fun details about a man who's inspired my costume for tonight's Halloween party. So if I'm looking a little bit deranged with some red in my hair, um, don't mind me. I'm going to post some um, complete <laughs> Pennywise looks on our like social media account. So the man I'm referring to is none other than Stephen King himself. We all know him as the king of thrills and chills or the master of horror. But some things I learned about him was that he had an interesting childhood. Some would say they were relatable to a certain degree. Aside from like normal hardships that many single parent families endured, King's young life was also full of traumatic events that may have formed many of his stories. King has said that he didn't believe that some of the facts about his upbringing had anything to do with the stories, but it's arguable that his childhood formed the basis for much of his work. So starting off at like a very young age, the age of two, King's father, Donald King, casually told his wife that he was going to the store for a pack of cigarettes, but he never came back. So he was abandoned. And that was back in 1949. King was left alone with his mother and brother, David. The loss of King's father put the family in a dire financial hardship for the next decade or so. And they were forced to move around a lot. So that was pretty triggering. Um, he was pretty, you know, at the age of two, the abandonment issues that he saw in the midst of that, you know, really, you know, not being able to understand that at two years old develops yeah. a lot, you know, into your adulthood. So moving on to the age of four, he witnessed the passing of one of his friends. thought this was really interesting. Um, and he shared this in his exact words. Um, the event occurred when I was barely four. According to mom, I had gone off to play at a neighbor's house a house that was near a railroad line. About an hour after I left, I came back, she said, as white as a ghost. I would not speak for the rest of the day. I would not tell her why I'd not waited to be picked up or phoned that I wanted to come home. I would not tell her why my, my chum's mom hadn't walked me back and, ha and had allowed me to come home alone. It turned out that the kid I had been playing with had been run over by a freight train while playing on or crossing the tracks. My mom never wow. knew if I had been near him when it happened, but I have no memory of the incident at all, only of having been told about it some years after the fact. That's <laughs> wild. Wow. So yeah. four years old. So my guess is that he was severely traumatized by what he had yeah. seen and that had some sort of like dissociative like amnesia so he doesn't remember it but the fact that he came back white as a ghost just tells you that he had seen something i mean you yeah. don't come back like looking like that and not being able to speak if you hadn't seen something yeah so another incident at the age of four happened with a crazy babysitter babysitter lady who had an interestingly odd fascination with tickling him and then knocking him down and then tickling him again. 
but it gets weirder. So after feeding him around seven eggs all at one time, King vomited all over the floor. Rather than taking care of him, the babysitter became really aggressive and she hit him upside the head and locked him in a closet. And the mother came home and then discovered this, the babysitter asleep on the couch and King was still locked in the closet, covered in his own vomit. So wait, how, like, how old was he again? Four, four years old. Wow. So three huge events happening in these pivotal like years of your development. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Huge. So, I mean, to say that he doesn't think that, you know, any of that attributed to some of his writings, you know, it may be that like, he may not remember these things. I mean, I, I know that I like, don't remember a lot of my childhood as well. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but I think it's because we block certain memories out for good reason. But yeah. Yeah. So I'll continue. So he started writing when he was six or seven years old, which is pretty cool. Um, Crazy. He said that, yeah, he said that film was also a major influence on him. He loved um, watching movies. And he can remember um, a time when his mom took him to Radio City Music Hall to see Bambi. Um, and that really stood out to him, like the size of the place and the forest fire in the movie. That made a huge impression on him. So when he started to write, he would write the images because that's all he knew at the time. So I thought that was especially interesting because great writers are usually natural observers of everything around them. Some call it external collecting, where you write down like what you see in words or images. Hmm. Something I find that I do myself a lot as well. You know, I don't know. But have you ever done that yeah. before? Where Yeah. Okay. So I thought that was really neat. And so that was definitely something he was on to, you know, like something he was on to right there. Yeah. With his work. I didn't know that that had a name. What was it called again? Internal what? Um. Well, other, some people call it, um, internal or external collecting. So oh, like external. your external, yeah. Yeah. External hmm. thoughts and you collect them and then you turn them into images or words. Interesting. Yeah. So King was obsessed with the dark side of life. And I think you're really going to like this one. So especially the afterlife. So he didn't think he had much of a future and assumed he'd expire after a couple of decades. Um, he mm -hmm. was terrified and fascinated by death, and he thought he wouldn't make it to reach past the age of 20 years old. Oh, which is wow. Crazy, right. Yeah. Because we just had this conversation like last week, and we, right? Yeah. We thought the same thing growing up, right? Yeah, third. Mine was thirty. Thirty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So I don't. I don't even need a plan because I won't make it. <laughs> yeah, and he had the same same terrified, like thought in his mind. Didn't go too much into Tita why, but he yeah. just thought like twenty was that age where I'm not going to make it past that age. But I mean, he's still around, hmm. alive and kicking, doing good yeah. things. So. 
And his mother was like a huge influence on all things horror and scary stuff. Um, and that's why he believed he, he got most of his influence from his mother. Because his mom mm. used to listen to a horror program called Dimension X. I've actually never heard of this. But he Me would either. Sneak, yeah, but I never, uh, he would sneak out of his room and go and listen to it without her knowing. And he said it would scare him, like really like scare him. But he enjoyed the feeling of being like, terrified. He loved that feeling. So I Same. thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of, you know, his growing up. There was a lot more to it where, you know, when he was a kid, he was you know, a husky kid. And it talked about like how he felt different than the other kids. A lot of people couldn't relate to him. He was always picked last, you know, to play games. He had friends, but they couldn't, you know, he just felt different, you know? And I think it's yeah. because of the way he thought, the way he did things. And he was just, you know, like yeah, more so in his head than more kids. You know, I get yeah. that. I used to be like that, too. Yeah, me too. I totally yeah. understand that. I think you and I have actually talked about, like, stuff like that before. Yeah. And it's it's an interesting and hard thing when, you know, growing up, you don't feel understood. And yeah. even as an adult, you still don't. But then you're okay with it, and it becomes your fact of being unique and you, yeah. you're okay with it you know so I mean now he's definitely you know his uniqueness shines in his yeah. work so <laughs> for sure so moving on to his career in 1973 King sold his first novel Carrie the tale of the tormented teen who gets revenge on our peers so this book actually became a huge success after it was published the following the following year and it allowed him to start writing full time it was later adapted to a film like the big screen mm -hmm. and then more popular novels soon followed including Salem's Lot the Shining Fire Firestarter Cujo and It and then of course there's like a huge list of other great books that are now pretty much movies that we all know and love today and um, I won't get into that list because it's ginormous. Me too. But I too wanted much. to ask you, like, yeah, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Stephen King movie? The Shining. The Shining. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's that's good <laughs> because actually I was going to talk about The Shining and the um, Stanley Hotel in which The Shining inspired. Um, so the Stanley Hotel was the inspiration of The Shining because Stephen King and his wife were guests there back in 1974. They were said to have been the only guests there prior to the winter closure and they stayed in room 217. They spent one night there where they had where he had a vivid nightmare of his son, who was three at the time, being chased down the long corridors of the hotel. So the next day they checked out. It was said that after one cigarette, after awakening the nightmare, 
King had mapped out the entire plot, which would become The Shining. So I thought that was really interesting how quickly The Shining plot came to him. Place. Yeah, <laughs> like he was yeah. pretty, pretty quick with that one. So interestingly enough, like room 217 is now one of the most requested rooms to stay in to this day because obviously The Shining was inspired. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been multiple other accounts of strange things happening inside the room specifically. Did you know that Dumb and Dumber was partially filmed there? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the scene where Lloyd and Harry have a bunch of money in the suitcase and they stay in the fancy hotel. Yes. It it was shot inside room 217. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. I I had no idea. Okay. And so apparently while filming, Jim Carrey ran out of there so fast after just a few hours of being, being in there because he was so spooked by something that he wouldn't return until the very last minute to finish the scene. Like, it's still a mystery as to what happened. I couldn't find any information as to like what happened, what he saw, what he experienced, because he wouldn't talk about it. Oh, you know it's something crazy. Yeah. And not be like, if Jim Carrey was freaked out, you know it was bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want I want to know what it is. Yeah. It's wild. (sighs) It's so crazy. Jim Carrey, Um, tell us. (laughs) I know. Tell us your we need to know. (laughs) It's so crazy. So I wanted to give a little bit of history on this hotel because, you know, there's been so many different reports that have happened and I could like list a bunch of other things like with different, you know, cases of like, you know, different things that have happened with guests and, you know, even just the hotel staff, but it's, it's too long to mention, but the Stanley hotel is actually a 140 room colonial revival hotel based out of Estes Park. I think that's how you say it. Colorado. Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) I'm just going based off of how I see it. So let's we're going to go that yeah. way. Um, it's about five miles um, from the entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park. So if anyone wants to go check it out, let me know how it is. Sounds interesting. We have to go. Right? We I, have to I go. <laughs> sounds, sounds super fun. Um, yeah. It opened on July 4th, 1909 as a resort for the Upper Klaus Easterners in a health retreat for sufferers of pulmonary tuberculosis. That is super random. Oh, wow. A mixture of things like going on there. And that's a lot of dark energy, like the suffering. And if people passed on the, like whether you believe in the paranormal, you know, that whole stuff, but yeah, the, that's a lot of darkness. Yes. And this hotel has been named um, the most haunted place in America because here's another interesting fact. It's apparently built on a foundation of quartz that apparently attracts all kinds of spiritual activity. So if you believe in that stuff, but built on a foundation of quartz, 
I don't know exactly what that means. Was it like the foundation as in like they poured foundation or there was quartz rocks inside Under. underneath? Okay. Just yeah. wondering. I, I, like, I think, why? <laughs> yeah, I only know that because um, my mom used to work for uh, a builder and before they started building, they found out that there was, it wasn't quartz, but it was, I don't remember what the rock's called, but I know if I explain it, you'll know what it is. It's like the white rock with like the black speckles. And then when you move it like this, it's kind of shiny. And it's like, ugh, I don't know how else to describe it. It's white with like black dots, like Dalmatian rock. <laughs> and I can under picture the rock. I don't know what it's called. Like, yeah, I'm me a either. But all underneath was and and I'm talking like like the earth was it like I don't know how else to explain it they yeah, had to okay. bring in dynamite and blow it up just to be able to build there and break wow. through and dig what they needed to it's crazy That's interesting that is so crazy so Can I say something yeah. about the quartz yeah of course okay so um I don't know. I'm not a huge believer in the whole like crystal thing and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know enough about it, but like scientifically speaking, uh, certain, uh, stones, rocks, stuff like that vibrate at certain frequencies and it does something. And I don't know what that something is to, but to the human body. So that's why the crystal thing comes in and they say it like balances something or does something to like the human body. So I don't know. It'd be interesting, you know, eventually to look into what crystal or quartz does um, to like the human body or whatever. But it makes me think when you said that the uh, quartz is underneath there, which attracts like spirits or ghosts or whatever to that area. But is it also doing something to the human, like the humans that are there since it right. does vibrate? Isn't that why vibrations mm -hmm. are, yeah. you know, when people talk about vibes, it's actually a real, real thing, whether people want to think it's like a hippie thing or whatever type of dealio, but vibes are a real thing, like vibrations, even like, yeah you know, frequencies that you listen to or just frequencies in, you know, sound waves or just all of it. It's a real thing and like how it affects your body. So yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if yeah. that would be a good thing to, to investigate or, you know, research. Hmm. Yeah. That's a hmm. good, that's a good point. Things yeah. that make you like go, that. hmm. That's why we're here. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So not only is this an attraction to stay in for the curious and skeptical minds, but it's become like a popular wedding venue recently from what I've read. Like people are going and, and getting married <laughs> at the Stanley I love Hotel. that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. So I wanted to share um, from a website that I found called Trip Savvy. I'm sure people know about this. Um, of the seven most haunted spots, um, supposedly at the Stanley Hotel, because I thought this was interesting. I didn't read all the way through it, so it'll be kind of fun for me to, you know, hear some of the stuff or like read some of the stuff, because, you know, just from what I I saw, it was kind of interesting about, you know, what happens in these certain spots, and Before they're not all rooms. Okay. Yeah. 
before you read, is this your first time reading it all together too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. Okay. So obviously the first one is going to be room 217 where um, our, our friend Stephen King stayed at and where the shining, you know, inspiration took place. So I'm going to read this, um, that, um, the room is thought to be haunted by Elizabeth Wilson, AKA Mrs. Wilson. She was the hotel's head housekeeper. And during a storm in 1911, she was injured during an explosion as she was lighting the lanterns in room 217. She survived though broke her ankles and her spirit seems to be irregular in the room. This is interesting. I did read this part. Hmm. Guests have reported items moved, luggage unpacked, and lights being turned on and off. Oh, and Mrs. Wilson is old-fashioned. She doesn't like it when unmarried guests shack up together. So some couples have reported feeling a cold force come between them. One of the biggest myths about this room is that it's never available. Not true. You can actually book it and sit there if you dare. But I thought that was super funny <laughs> because there are actual stories that I read that um, people have stayed there that were unmarried and would feel like a push <laughs> of somebody or force pushing yeah. a couple. What is it? Like middle school. Other. Yeah, yeah, like middle school dances, six inches yeah. apart. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch each other. Wow. Nope. Not allowed. And you, so. you know what it sounds like, too, is that um, her ghost is, like, unpacking their stuff and, set, like, getting it to get, like, a, what a luxury hotel would do is, like, yeah. set it up for people. And it's, <laughs> yeah. like, that's what she's doing. Yeah. Oh. Hey, that's yeah. the definition of loving your job. By the yeah. way, <laughs> yeah, she's she's devoted right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, the next one on the list is the vortex. I haven't read this one. From an art architectural standpoint, the staircase between floors and the hotel's main guest house is a stunner. But the area also has been dubbed the vortex, a natural spiral of energy. It's also known as the rapid transit system for ghosts that are known to haunt the hotel. It doesn't give any more information than that, but that just sounds creepy. Like, yeah, it just like sounds. The, that's the ghost highway. Yes, like I could just picture it. You know what I mean? That was a good visual. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it makes me think of the ACDC song "Highway to Hell." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the wow. next one is the concert hall. Um, so this one, it says, there's a lot of paranormal hubbub said to be happening in this famed concert hall. Paul, one of the well-known ghosts haunting the Stanley, was a jack-of-all-trades around the hotel. Among his duties, enforcing an 11 p.m. curfew at the hotel, which could be why guests and workers here get out between uttered late at night, being uttered late at night. The area is also a favorite spot for hotel founders, Flora Stanley's ghosts to play the piano. A few of Paul's antics, sorry, let me repeat this. A few of Paul's antics 
a construction worker reported he felt Paul nudge him while he was sanding the floors and tour groups on the Stanley Ghost Tour have reported he flickered a flashlight for them. Okay. Oh, I know what they're talking about. Uh, when you go on a ghost tour, you have like all your equipment, your lights and stuff, and you try oh. to ask them questions. So they'll say, hey, can you, if you're here with us, can you turn the light on and off or flicker yeah. it once or whatever? And so he responded. Oh, look at, like I'm here. Yeah. That's cool. That's crazy. So another ghost known as, uh, is known to wander about concert hall as Lucy who quite possibly was a runaway or homeless woman who found refuge in the hall. She entertains the requests of ghost hunters, often communicating with them with flash, flashing lights. Stanley historians, however, aren't quite sure about her pre-death connection to the hotel. How fun. And I know that there have been quite a few ghost hunters who have gone there and actually confirmed that this place is haunted. Yeah. So, yeah. So they don't, they're saying they don't know how she, she got there. Died. or Yeah. Like her pre-death connection, like how she became homeless and made her like stay there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So this one's fun. Room 401. More than a century ago, the entire fourth floor was a cavernous attic. It's where female employees, children, and nannies stayed. Now today's guests will report hearing children running around laughing, giggling, and playing. Plus, there's a famous closet that tends to open and shut on its own in this room. So that's kind of creepy. I don't know about, like, the children laughing and playing. When I see that stuff in movies, I won't lie, that's creepy to me. Yeah. That's just... Oh, yeah. That's eerie. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm, No. Okay, so room 428. Really, you get a badge of bravery for staying in this room on the fourth floor. I heard about this room. Bonus points if you I know. Bonus points if you can book room 428. Guests have reported hearing footsteps above them and furniture moving about, but that's actually physically impossible given the slope of the roof. Tour guides say the real haunt in this room, though, is a friendly cowboy who appears at the corner of the bed. <laughs> Gosh, could you, could you imagine? I would say, howdy, can you leave now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Could you imagine somebody just casually being at the, you know? Nope. Nope. No, thanks. But I, But I still want to stay there. <laughs> I almost like want to like try I don't want to say debunk but I almost want to go there to just see if any of this is real you know yeah it's kind of I agree kind of kind of fun I think okay. that's uh that's our to-do list for this it, uh next year coming in yeah 2024 2024 <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Grand Staircase. Of course, the Grand Staircase is always going to be haunted. There's been pictures of ghosts taken on the staircase. Who knows if it's been, you know, edited or whatever. But, of course, the Grand Staircase. From antique mirrors and portraits, there's plenty to distract the eye on the Grand Staircase at the Stanley. 
but it could also be a popular passageway for the hotel's resident ghosts. In 2016, a visitor from Houston snapped some photos on the grand staircase and upon returning home and reviewing them, spotted an apparatus at the top of the staircase. The thing is, he doesn't remember anybody else being on the staircase at the time he was taking the photographs. The ghostly image of a woman is at the top of the stairs. Interesting. Is it apparatus or apparition? Apparatus. I've never heard that. Like, ap- well, I've heard, I've heard the word, but not usually. Used. Yeah, apparatus is usually, I thought, like, you know, like an apparatus for, um, like doing, um, you know what clowns do when they're doing, like, the, like, acrobatics acrobatic stuff but it's apparatus oh i know what you're talking talking about about? isn't that yeah kind of the same thing same yeah i don't know what apparatus i think it's supposed to say apparition yeah i think it's supposed to say because then they said it's an old lady so it'd be in like an apparition of an old lady like yeah no it definitely says apparatus that's so weird yeah Okay, this one is kind of neat because I did not know there was underground caves at the Stanley. So what? Yeah, can you go in them? Okay, if you go on the seventy-five minute night spirit tour at the Stanley, you don't have to be a hotel guest to get in on it, but you should book in advance. Your tour will come to an eerie halt at the end with a visit to the underground cave system. Workers moved about the hotel through the caves in the early days, so it makes sense. This is a popular haunt. Skeptics will pass off the haunts as a breeze from this historic piping and ventilation systems. But beneath the hotel is a higher than average concentration of limestone and quartz, which some ghost hunters believe help capture energy at the property. There's the quartz again. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So those are said to be the top seven most haunted spots at the Stanley. Um, yeah. But everyone, of course, wants to stay in room 217 for a good reason because, you know, the shining. And I mean, I would probably be like, can I book in 217, 428? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just, I feel like it would just be kind of One fun. Another. I mean, yeah. I want the whole experience when I go. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I think we should do that. I, I mean, like, it wouldn't bother me. It'd be fun. I think it'd be interesting to see. But it's it's neat to see how, you know, circling back to Stephen King, how he, you know, had such a traumatic experience at such a young age. But then you know, turned out, in my opinion, he turned out completely fine. Like, he's okay, you know what I mean? But I think a lot of those things inspired um, the stories and the morbid curiosity Yeah, um, was there from an early age based off of maybe some of the things that had happened to him. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Well, it's also an outlet too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and I think that's where a lot of like his stories and thought process and writing um, definitely was an outlet for all of the things that he doesn't remember or, you know, yeah. things he went through where it, it, it'll, it's there, but you may not remember it. So, I mean, it's got to go somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> In a sense. It's interesting. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just found it really, really um, to be, it's inspiring also too, like all of the work that he did and how he writes phenomenally. Like a lot of people may not like his work because it's spooky, it's horror, it's scary. It's, I don't know. It's not for everybody. That's okay. You know? Yeah. But he's great at what he does. You know, yeah, I enjoy it. everything that he went through. Yeah, exactly. I think he was able to do this. I think that's super inspiring and like something to look up to, you know? Yeah. Regardless of what kind of work he does, he, he did something with his life, you know, irregardless of how he, how he was raised or how he grew up. His mom did a great job raising him. Like he never had an issue with his mom. His mom was supportive and it was nothing about his mom it was everything before you know yeah his you know in his primitive years pretty much so yeah yeah just super super intriguing to say the least yeah and I, and i'm sure uh with the things that he's wrote about and the movies that have been done based on those things have inspired other people mm -hmm. to, to do other things. Like it's, you know, not only did he go through all this stuff that he went through at such a young age, he was able to do something and make something of his life and kind of make like his own, like, like genre like Stephen yeah. King himself is like a genre and then influence a bunch of other people in ways of other things that they would write or talk about or make movies about, or just influence people um, like us who like his books and his movies. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really crazy how like, I'm sure there's so many Stephen King fans out there that know all about him or whatever the, the case may be. But what I found interesting was just like knowing about him a little more on a personal level, because it makes him as a person, not just his work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because who makes a person a person, you know, before they become rich and famous, you know what I mean? Or popular. Yeah. You know, like what did they go through before you know, all of that. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting, like researching all of this stuff and getting to know him as a person and not just separating the two, but combining them and understanding him as a person, yeah. not just a writer, but how it yeah. meshed the two together. So, yeah. And a whole new level of respect for him and everything Absolutely. he's been able to accomplish. Yeah. 100%. So yeah, that is a little bit about Stephen King and his upbringing and his life and what 
led him to where he's at today. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for all that info. I, I didn't know, like the, you know, the Shining's one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. and I didn't know some of that info <laughs> and I definitely didn't know that there's the Stanley hotel is linked to so many different, um, ghosts or spirits. And I definitely want to go. That's I my bucket too. list. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool. It would be neat. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, cool. That was awesome. Well, thanks again for listening to Obscure Minds. Thank you.